Okay, hi everybody. Uh, welcome to this podcast and today I'm really glad to welcome Ken Velody to join us and he is a partner and co-founder of Progressive, an innovative company that connects tech startups with the corporate world to provide corporates with innovative solutions to some of their key business challenges. So welcome Ken, great to have you here. Thank you, great to be a guest. So Ken, you've been working with brands across all sectors, including Procter & Gamble, Mercedes, GSK, and partnering with best-in-class startups to accelerate and test and unlock their growth. So that really sounds like an interesting you know, world that you now live in. So we'll hopefully dig into that during this podcast. And also with your uh, colleague, Eamon Carey, you are the co-author of The Startup Lexicon, which we'll talk about later as well, which as a book seeks to help people understand the everyday language of startups, which have their own unique little language. And it's almost like this, you know, community of itself in many ways. Indeed. And obviously before Progressive, uh, almost seven years ago now, you were working for 15 years for AB InBev as ex-brand director and also consumer connections director for Western Europe. So a bit of a leap there to go from <laughs> the, the corporate world to the entrepreneur. Yes, it, it was... Um... It was, it was seven, eight years ago. And I think the, the funny thing is, a year before I left, if you'd have said to me I was going to leave the corporate world and start my own thing, I would have said you were mad. So <laughs> things happened quite quickly. It wasn't necessarily a, an event or anything. It wasn't, I wasn't made redundant or, or it wasn't a restructure where I thought it's the time to move. It was it was more that um, I used to travel to Belgium quite a lot. So the, the European head office for AB InBev was in a place called Leuven, which is near mm. Brussels in Belgium. And I used to go there once, twice a month, sometimes three times a month. So I lived on Eurostar. And I think I'd, I'd had a, a particularly bad week maybe at work in Belgium. And I was coming back on the Eurostar train on a Thursday evening. And I picked up the Eurostar magazine. I don't know what it was called, but it was the magazine that sits mm. in the in the back of the chair in front, literally. So I read this magazine and, and there was an article on the whole startup world in Shoreditch and how it was starting to bubble to the surface. And I was it's just one of those moments. I read the article, I was fascinated by it, and I was absolutely almost quite disappointed that I didn't know about it. You kind of think that in the marketing world and working for big corporates and, and working um, hopefully on cutting edge technologies, you're aware of what's happening. But this whole thing came a bit on a blind from a blind side for me and I just thought what's all this about so out of interest I started digging deeper and it was very difficult but to try and get into events where startups were so I actually kind of invited myself to events I think I said I was an investor and a couple to get in and and I started talking to startups and to be kind of candid it talking to a startup they, they, they're a different species in effect I mean they see the world very differently they're much more I would argue positive and forward thinking than the average person and and they're just they're just up for change and the way they view things is is i'd say really refreshing and very invigorating and inspirational and it kind of made me think should i be more like that you know i'd love to, if i work with these people more i it, it would might make me feel better and and on top of that i thought there was a commercial opportunity to get these startups with all their positive thinking and technologies into the world of the corporate world at ab InBev. so mm -hmm. What made me jump was thinking about AB InBev and the culture there and large companies, which had been my, my career up until then, and thinking about this new ecosystem I'd kind of gate crashed. I felt there was a need to join the two, but it wasn't going to be as simple as, as it should be. And I, yeah. I thought well, there needs to be someone in the middle. There needs to be someone sitting there with a, a corporate background, a corporate understanding, 
and also someone who's keen to find out more about the startup world and act like a connector between the two. So I, I jumped the corporate ship, much to the horror of friends and family. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to be this, um, this person in the middle. And that started, it, it was actually eight years ago, started eight years ago and, and rolled forward to where we are now. I, I co-found a company called Progressive and, and the part of the company that I run is, is fully focused on helping our clients such as the, the P&Gs, the Mercs, the GSKs to solve some of their key business challenges by identifying to them what's out there in the startup world and, and ultimately helping them partner with a startup to do a paid pilot. So yes, it, it was, it, if, as I say, um, 10 years ago, if you'd have said I'd be where I am now doing what I'm doing, I would have struggled to see how that would happen. Um, yeah. But it was it was the best thing best thing I've ever done, to be um, honest. That, that, that bit is really nice to hear, you know, that there's no regrets, there's no looking back, and it has really made a difference to, well, actually, there's two ways. I mean, it's made a difference to you, but yes. it's also made a difference to a lot of other people, both in, in for entrepreneurs, because I can absolutely agree with the idea that it is a different world. The two, the two live in almost different spheres because most of the times the large established firms will see the world through a strategy lens where they look to protect their investments, be careful yeah. with taking risk. And then you have the entrepreneur that sees everything as an opportunity or sees something as you know exciting and fresh, be it mm. technology or what have you. And therefore it, it is a very different mindset. And it's I think because of that, the two groups don't always communicate very well. I mean, it, it depends on industry, don't get me wrong, because pharma is, is different, for instance. But, you know, I think there is a, as you say, a lot of untapped potential between the corporate world to connect with the entrepreneurs and, and see how that unpacks. Absolutely. And I think I think in the days when I was corporate side, you, you relied, um, rightly so, you relied on working with your agency partners and they mm. would help you um, bring new things, disruptive things to the marketplace, be it in how you marketed a product or, or, or events or whatever it may be. Mm. I, I, and, and a lot of innovation was done in-house. Mm-hmm. And I think with the startup world, the way I see it is that if, if a corporate or anyone for that matter is interested in working with startups, they can tap into almost billions of pounds worth of innovation that's mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And and you know I'm very confident that there's there's stuff there's loads of technologies and and, and services and people out there that can help them mm-hmm. um, that I think most corporates are, are unaware of and and, and building something in house mm-hmm. not saying is always the wrong is the wrong way per se for every example but generally speaking by the time you built something I, I'd be amazed if someone's already built it five times over it mm. evolved it changed yeah. it. And there's 15 different versions of it out there. And it'd be a lot cheaper to actually go and work with a startup than it would to put all the effort and time and resource into building it from scratch yourself. Mm-hmm. I and mean, what strikes me as interesting about this, I mean, I'm really interested in networks, as you probably mm-hmm. know, and um, mm-hmm. things like social capital, but also how, how does one disconnected group become connected to another relatively disconnected group? And when I was, you know, when, I, when we spoke together about progressive and what you do, mm-hmm. what, at first, it made me think of this idea of open innovation, you know, that corporates mm-hmm. can partner with or go source innovations from entrepreneurial firms or other businesses and help them commercialize it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's still very transactional. You know, that kind of model is still very transactional in my mind. And But what I, how I prefer to think of open innovation, why I'm so fascinated by progressive is that, to me, you act more like a relationship orchestrator and mm-hmm. you know, linking some of the best innovative, thought-leading, thought-provoking startups with corporates to solve their problems. So you know, you 
you act out like the bridge that connects these two otherwise distinct groups. So, in, you know, in a network sense, we would call them bridging structural ties. You know, you've got two groups and they're disconnected. Yeah. And then you're in the middle and you connect everybody through. <laughs> I've, I've never been called a bridging structural tie. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a complex story. <laughs> No, it, it, you know, th- this is why I find it so fascinating because it takes a relational approach to what has been historically a transactional yeah. lens. And, and that's what it, I find fascinating. So, you know, why does this model matter now, do you think? And why do corporates that have perhaps been, you know, not interested to work with startups before, what are they missing out on? Well, I, th- I think, first of all, you know, going back to my earlier point, I think if, if, if you're not aware of what the art of the possible is and what's being done, I always say on the horizon of technology, then I think you're missing a trick as a as a corporate, especially from my background as a brand. Um, and I also think if if you, I think also since COVID, I think the status quo doesn't stand anymore. I think things have changed, especially in lots of industries, and companies now have to look outward more and think, well, we don't have all the answers. We may, we may have got by before, we may have thought we were safe before, but I think there's so many other options out there now and companies have to change now. And we're definitely finding that with clients during and post COVID where they say, like, we are now um, new clients. We are now, you know, we now want to see what's out there. We, we really have got to step forward more. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think if you don't step forward, and it's a difficult step to take for a corporate, as you say, it, it feels transactional, but there's a lot of other softer bits to it as well on both sides in order you know, to work. Mm together there's a lot of softer side uh, side areas that have to be, have to be um, appreciated as well as, as much as the technology but if you if you do take that step forward I think um, there, there's so much learning and insight to be had that the benefits far outweigh the risk and half the time the risk isn't as bad looking back as, as mm. corporates maybe thought it was at the start but if you don't do that you will I would say almost certainly get outflanked and in my day in, in the marketing world, if, if if your competitor brands are outflanking you, then you generally get a tap on the shoulder from your boss saying, what's happening over there? Why aren't we doing this? So I'm not just saying for marketing people, but anyone on the corporate side, you always want to keep ahead of the competition. And also, I think from your own personal development, you want to know what's out there, what's changing and just keep yourself curious. So mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's, it's always been a need for it. Maybe it's more so since the startup ecosystems have developed with San Francisco first, New York and now London and other European and, and global cities. So I think that the startup opportunity is more appreciated now. I think the danger or the gap still is that people are more aware of startups now. They might read about startups more now. They might see um, more content about startups. But there's still a lot of companies, medium, large size companies who have yet to take the step. And I think that's where we we kind of hopefully act as that bridge but it's that bridge with caution and there's that bridge with guidance and mm-hmm. and we make sure with what we do it isn't just a case of here's a list this is your best choice we actually yeah, work with the client on their brief we we go away we search globally um to see what's out there we then come back to the client and present the lie of the land we also present what the trends are if we can what the competition are doing and we go through the startups we've met we don't come in and say this is your best choice we, it's up to the customer the client to make a decision yeah and and we just help them narrow down a list of say 40 startups to five who will come and pitch down to one or two to do a paid pilot with so we facilitate but that facilitation is as much to do with a brief and the outcome, but also the people and making sure that everyone's aware of where things are and, and everyone's happy at every stage of the process because it's as much about humans interacting as it is technology meeting a brief. Yeah. yeah um, and there's definitely a need for it. And I've you know I've not, you know, I've not yet met 
a, a potential client who doesn't get what we offer, it's just a case of are they ready yet as a company or dare I say as an individual to make that first step. Mm-hmm. I think the points you made there about you know managing, facilitating the relationship, but also mm-hmm. helping both groups to understand each other as well is, is a key aspect of that because I I'm I'm a proponent of two two key things really. One is managers do not in their job deliberately make value destroying decisions. They don't go about thinking, okay, I want to disinnovate my organization, so to speak, you know, to minimize its innovation. Oftentimes it's internal barriers or just a lack of fresh ideas. And so the ability to, you know, be connected with entrepreneurs and startups to see what's going on in the outer world is, as you say, it's refreshing and mm. it, it can unlock new ways of thinking and new ways of doing business. I mean, I'm sure, I'm assuming once you get your foot in the door once, there must be repeat business because I, I would have thought that this is something that could become almost like a surrogate capability for some of these businesses where, okay, we, we struggle with real breakthrough innovation and we don't want to do that in-house for you know, risk-related reasons, but if we do it here in this sphere and in that relationship, it can really you know, unlock a lot of advantages. Absolutely. And I think it's, I think, I think the key is for us, you know, your point earlier about people don't make bad decisions. I, I actually also think people are just so busy mm. that they don't have time to look up and, and, and see what, what other things are happening. And what we, what we also do to, 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 to counter that or to help with that challenge is that uh, we do a lot of the heavy lifting, as I mentioned earlier. So we, we will go out, we do all the searching, all the, 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 the interviews, we will filter and everything down. We will actually do all the heavy lifting beforehand. We all during the process, 90% of the heavy lifting is done by us. All we ask from the client is for them to put some time in to write the brief, to put some time in the diary for us to present back our findings, mm-hmm. to put some time in for a pitch session. And then when it comes to the pilot starting to have a, a contact or a, day, a, a daily contact their side to manage that mm-hmm. pilot. But they can get on with their day job. I mean, one of our, I would say, key selling points is if you if you work with us, it's not going to impact your day job. You can get on and and be busy and and make things happen. And dare I say, make bigger, more important things happen, which need to happen for for you know in any job. But we can we can work parallel to your your day job, and we just need a few hours of your time every now and then, just so we can take you through the process and make sure everyone's happy. Um, so we don't ask anyone to devote days or anything yeah. to it. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's important because obviously the managers will be firefighting. They'll, mm. They have their own strategic pressures and, and goals and measures. But as you say, that ability to help sort of lift them above the water to see what else is going on is crucial because you know, one of the things that I find with entrepreneurs and managers is the, the more information they come across, yeah. the more likely they are to get bogged down in actually what they are comfortable with because it's an easier way of managing uncertainty when you just concentrate on what you know. So in that situation, you know, we're in a world where we get breaking news every five minutes and information is easily at hand and the, the concept of big data and what have you. So in many cases, managers are overwhelmed with lots of information just in terms of, of dealing with their existing issues. So it's definitely difficult for them to then you know, be able to give themselves space to take that eye off that so that they can look at what else is going on in the world to innovate. So it's a absolutely and, and 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 you know um your question earlier which I, I didn't um I, I didn't answer was once they make one um 
jump forward and, and go through one, one process with us, one brief with us. Does it carry on? Absolutely. So once you get one brief out of the way, we find that internally the person we've worked with will talk about that internally to his colleagues, his or her peers or colleagues. And we and and we, we quite quickly get to a stage where we have another brief and another brief, but parallel to that, other departments will come to us within that company and say, oh, we've got a challenge here in, say, recruitment, or we've got a challenge here to do with finance. Can we get let you have a brief and go searching and see what's out there? And in a funny way, things can get quite competitive. I know one of our, our, our clients, um, a bank from uh, three or four years ago, was almost internally, they were had to argue amongst themselves who was going to give the next brief to us. So it, it was, it one, one it's, 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 it's refreshing and it's really positive because once someone goes through the process and dare I say, nothing blows up at the end of it, no one dies, but it's an enjoyable experience. And, and yeah. even if, and it's very unlikely, but even if the pilot doesn't quite go right, the learnings from it outweigh the maybe the slight disappointment that the numbers weren't hit or whatever it may be that mm-hmm. the metrics were for that pilot. And I, I think it's an eye-opener yeah. for the corporates. And, and and to a certain extent, depending on the startup, it's an eye-opener for them as well. Mm-hmm. So both sides are coming into it slightly blind. Mm-hmm. And our role, as you say, is to kind of orchestrate a relationship and, 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 and move both sides along the process mm-hmm. and make sure there's no hidden surprises or, or, or things going bang at any point. Mm-hmm. Well, you've kind of preempted my next two questions, actually. So one, you've actually partially answered already, which was, I was going to ask, what advice would you give to corporate managers looking to work with startups and entrepreneurs? Because obviously it it is a different mindset, as you said. The first thing is, obviously, I would say, give it a go. Mm -hmm. Um, It isn't as risky and it isn't as expensive as as you might think it is. I would say give it a go. I think to do it though, I think you have to have some key um, key things in place. One of those is you have to be very clear, and we ask this of all our clients, what the challenges you want us to look or the brief is that you want us to address. Mm-hmm. So if it's just oh we just want to be better or we want our brands to perform better, then that's too open a brief. So really, we say to clients, what is it that keeps you awake at night? What is the challenge that you still cannot find an answer for or you don't believe there is an answer for we love those kind of briefs and we will then sit down with a client and work through the brief with them so one is have a clear challenge in mind you don't have to have it when you talk to us first of all we can actually help you identify a challenge through just open chat uh, you know put an hour in the diary and we can we can get some challenges out from your experiences but one is have a clear challenge two is be very be be open-minded and patient and i say that to all of our clients open-minded because you are going to see technologies that may not make sense, first of all, or, or you're not quite clear on why they exist. And it mm-hmm. takes a little bit of time to get your head around technologies, but be open. And I think sometimes a corporate mindset, because things are going so quickly, is yes, no, yes, no, decisions made, move on. I think this takes a bit more thought. So one is be open-minded, patient, have a clear objective. And I would also argue, um, if you can get one um a sponsor on board so someone maybe more senior than yourself because that helps sometimes if there's challenge internally it's always good to have a senior sponsor and we generally look for that as a, a prerequisite as well because it helps the process go through its its stages and the other one i think is a crucial one which sometimes is forgotten is you may need to get your infrastructure um in place behind you as well so if you're say a, a brand person who wants to work with us from a large company it wouldn't be a bad idea to um give people like procurement a heads up what you're doing because 
Yes, there may be a procurement process to follow, which could take months to go through, but it's much better that procurement are involved at the start and can, and can go through that. And it's also very good for the startup who's chosen pilot-wise to actually be aware that this, this process may take time. So mm-hmm. there's no kind of last-minute disappointments yeah. on both sides. I mean, I doubt procurement will like it if the brand person goes to them and says, we've got a partner, we want to work with them. Can you sort it out, Mr. Procurement person? Yeah. They were very impressed being told last minute. And at the same time, for a startup, if they go through the whole process, do the pitches, get the get the gig, and then procurement come in and say it's going to take three months. So, oh, you know, so the yeah. earlier you can get procurement involved um, and other areas mm-hmm. that may be relevant in the company. So when you do come to the table and we do start the process. Um, I think you've got a few people with skin in the game and 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 hopefully everyone wants it to work. And that's a that's 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 a really good, I think, first stage before we even start looking at a brief. Yeah. Yeah. But it is just be open-minded. And you're not you're not gonna see, and we say this all the time, and it's a bit of an old example now, but we're not gonna come back with the new Facebook that's gonna mm-hmm. change your world overnight and 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 make your brand and amazing and make, make you loads and loads of money from a certain startup things take time yeah but what we will promise you is we will we will open your your eyes to what is out there mm-hmm. innovative opportunities and and hopefully an engaging process which at the end of it all will not only give you a better idea of i keep saying it the art of the possible and what you can do in the future mm-hmm. get interest makes you curious but also we we're, we're partnering up with a startup to actually deliver on that brief that you found so difficult to to, to um, find an answer for. So there is a, and we do have metrics and it's it's all measured and everything. So, and it's quick. I mean, from brief to pilot starting can take like, you know, two months, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not long yeah. in the scheme of things, whereas to do it, no, 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 it all. take about a year. So, so it, it, it's just be open-minded, be realistic. And, and if you can get the infrastructure ready behind you, at the start of it all because that just smooths it all along and, and makes it yeah. and absolutely i mean one of the other the flip side of that coin is that the entrepreneur who's totally enthusiastic about getting involved doesn't then want to become frustrated to have roadblocks suddenly put in into front of them when they're ready and willing to act so mm-hmm. because you know that can just demotivate to a certain extent especially when they're used to making fairly rapid decision making you know the entrepreneur i mean so yes. and let me flip the question then. So what yeah. advice would you give to startup entrepreneurs looking to work with corporate managers? I, I would, I would again, it, it's a similar piece of advice. Be patient, be open-minded, um, but for different reasons. I, I think when, when, you've, when a, a startup generally first starts working with the corporate, it's quite easy to look at the corporate and think this is going to be huge. Hmm. In other words, we're going to do a pilot and they're going to pay us six figures and yeah. we're going to... Yeah. And, and and the brand name or the company name. The cachet yeah, kind of thing that comes yeah, with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you sit there thinking, this is amazing. We're going to have a pilot with Mercedes or whatever. We're going to, this is going to be amazing. And, and really, um, to be very blunt, we, we fully believe in paid pilots. I would never ever, I'm, I'm a bit of an advocate of being paid for the work you do rather than doing free pilots. But even a paid pilot will be, I mean, a lot of our pilots could be anything from, 10 15k up to 50k maybe a little bit more than that but they don't get into the six figures mm. um and and i think startups have got to realize that even if you work with a large brand and it's a pilot it's not going to transform your your revenue mm. model overnight however if you're patient and you work with the the corporate and and you you don't overpromise and you get things done in the right order at the right time and we can help facilitate that mm. 
if the pilot goes really well, then there's huge opportunities after that. Mm-hmm. And there's opportunities to scale within the corporate almost. And just like you said at the start, Matt, about if we work with a corporate and the pilot goes well, they give us more briefs. Absolutely, it works the same way for a startup. If the pilot goes well, then all of a sudden they say, right, let's forget the pilot now. Let's just roll this out for the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Or we've got another brand that we want you to work with. And if it's a global company as well, I would say over time, um, that that's a way into a huge source of new revenue for a startup. But it is being patient at the start. And I think, I think the biggest learning for a startup is that things definitely work slower in the corporate world. And, yes. and, and it's not because it's yeah. slow. It's just because there's more pieces of machinery, cogs turning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not as simple as, you know, why, why haven't they got back yet? Why haven't they got this form filled out? They must realise what we're doing is great. But they've got other things as well. You're, you're, you're almost bottom of the person's list. They've got other, mm. dare I say, more important priorities every day. Mm-hmm. So it is being patient. And I think if you can, if you can bite your tongue mm. and go along and 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 understand that, the the corporate appreciates that as well. Yeah. And it also comes across as a startup. You're mature. You're pragmatic. And dare I say, you're someone that if it all goes well be a good person to partner with from a corporate yeah. point of view. Yeah. If you start saying, well, I thought you said you're going to get it last week or it's still a week late and you start pressing, which we would never condone doing. Yeah. I would say it works the other way. And even if the pilot works well, I think the corporate would think, well, I don't want to work with those people. No, exactly. Yeah. You could burn. And I think that gets forgotten sometimes. This linear brief tech, perfect match. Why can't it happen now? Mm-hmm. It's people, it's other priorities, it's life and everything. Yeah, I guess there must be a lot of expectations management in in your role in, in that sense, in being this sort of channel or conduit between both helping the entrepreneur to understand the corporate and helping the corporate to understand the entrepreneur. So it must be yeah. must be quite challenging. It it, it 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 is sometimes, and if you get a challenging client and the challenging startup, it is quite challenging. Generally speaking, <laughs> um, we've been very lucky to. A lot of the clients we, we work with um, and have done for some time, they, they um, have processes in place and they're, they're well tuned to it all and they're, and they're, they're more um, realistic about things and things are fine. New, new clients, even new clients we work with, I think because they want to talk to us and work with us, they're almost they're ready to be helped and, and, and learn. So they've got a different mindset. They're not being forced into it. It's their decision. It's like someone yeah, going to study at you know, the university that it's their decision. So when they get there, they're going to put everything into it. And I think that's the same with corporates. So I think, I think for corporates, it's, it's, it's trying to just manage your expectations in terms of what I mentioned about being patient and, and it's going to take a bit of time. Mm-hmm. I think startups sometimes is more challenging because a lot of startups have never worked in the corporate world. And if you look yeah. at the corporate world, sometimes I think, right, it takes three weeks to make that decision because it has to go through certain meetings and forms and documents it's quite difficult to get your head around, especially if you're a young startup. It's like, what? Why does it take so long? Well, if you'd work, if if some have worked in the the, the corporate world, completely get it. Yeah, absolutely. I know myself what it's like. You know, weeks go by, and and you're firefighting, and you think, oh my god, I forgot to do this. It's it's not you don't do it on purpose. It's just that it's a different pace. Yeah. There's a lot more things coming in. So I think, I think there are more um, there are more pain points, so to speak. You know, your to do yeah, list yeah. just grows, and when you even when you get it down a bit, it keeps going. So like, it does, and, and I think at the end of the, yeah. it does. Sorry, it does, and I think so. Sometimes, if, if you said, "Is it more managing expectations of the startups or the corporates?" I say, oh, in all in all, it's it's most a slightly more expectation management required for the startups. 
Okay, no, that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, my conscious of your time. So it would be absolutely remiss of me if I didn't ask you about your book, because I was, you know, the way we got first got in touch is you contacted me, I think, through LinkedIn, and you were mentioning that you were working on the startup lexicon. I was like, this is really interesting, because I, I know myself, I've seen it myself, there is a difference in language, there's a difference in even one's perception of a term, even the term innovation is loaded mm-hmm. in a corporate mm-hmm. sense and in an entrepreneurial sense. So, so what inspired the book and what do you see as the purpose behind the startup lexicon? Um, well, the lexicon is, I have one in front of me, the lexicon is an idea that well, it first came about when I jumped into the startup world. And I think after two or three meetings, I, I, I didn't understand at least three or four words, maybe five or six per meeting. Roadmap, runway, burn rate, even enterprise, all these terms. I thought, you know, series A, series B, convertible note. And I I just think, my goodness, it's like a, I've got to go back to to learn this somewhere. And there wasn't anything online that gave you a definitive list, but things moved on. Dare I say, you know, I got on, I learned as I went along. I was quite open to ask people what that word meant. And then as we got corporate clients involved with our, our, our service, I, I could see the same look sometimes in the, the client size. Mm. And it made me think that there needs to be an appreciation of this language. It's not, it's not there to confuse. It's just, it's just language that is relevant to the world of a startup and investment and things mm-hmm. such as that. And, and, it, and I, that was with me for about four or five years. And then during um, the pandemic, uh, my wife mentioned to me about, I was talking about you know, looking at other options in terms of, what other things could we be doing? And and my wife said, what about that book idea you had? And I, I pulled out the file on in the cloud that I'd written some notes down on and thought there's something in this, but I couldn't do it on my own because I'm busy, uh, you know, day job gets in the way. I need a, 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 a someone to write it with me. And, and Eamon was perfect. Eamon up until very recently headed up Techstars in the UK. He's been in the investment entrepreneur world for, for 10 plus years, very well known. And I've known Eamon for a long, long time. So I just said to Eamon, do you fancy co-writing? Eamon brought, I would say, about between us, 50% of the words we together, we brought 50% each. Eamon had a lot more knowledge on certain words than I did, vice versa. And, and it just felt like a natural partnership. And mm-hmm. so we brought this book together. And the purpose of it really is it's, it's a reference book. It's not it's not a kind of a, a novel. It's not a love story or anything. It's a, it's a reference book around um, an A to Z of the, the language of startups. And just yeah. to make it a bit more... Um, enlightening and just glossary of terms we've and accessible got, i guess yeah yeah and we've, we've also got 25 30 experts who comment on some of the words as well as well as there being a definition and and the purpose of the book really is if you are learning about entrepreneurship like that people do on your your courses at loughborough or if you are starting an accelerator where you've got a kernel of an idea for a business you want to build it or my original thought if you're a corporate and you want to work with startups if you're any any three of those buckets, you are going to come across terms quite quickly that you won't have time to know about. Yeah. And if you're especially a startup and someone says to you, what's your burn rate, run rate, this, that, and the other, and you look a bit, I don't know what you're talking about, that could actually have quite a big impact on your investment opportunity at that time or the opportunity you're discussing at that time. And it's no good for one's, dare I say, confidence as well. So the book is a, it won't make you an expert, but I would advise that if someone was to go through it, it would just give them enough confidence and understanding of the mm-hmm. words. There's 200 plus in the book. So to have the confidence to go into a meeting and talk to startups or investors and, and have um, a good starting point 
um, idea of, of what mm -hmm. those words mean and, and why they're important. Correct. So we try to keep it really succinct to the point mm -hmm. um, as a reference. And, and I'd imagine each word you can Google on and go deeper and deeper if required. But it's, it's something to, I would say, give you the confidence to, to talk to startups or to be a startup in that world and talk to other startups and investors. Well, so I, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic resource. Actually, it's it's funny. It's, something just jumped into my mind where this reminds me of when I was a, at school. So we're going way back. <laughs> yeah. mm. But when I first started to study business, business studies in in secondary school, you know, one of the things that I remember buying, I think it was either the Oxford or Collins Dictionary of business terms and economics terms and things mm. like that, just so you had in a file as a reference. And I realize it's, it's along those kind of lines and it becomes really handy because, you know, you, especially, you know, you know, that was me as a school kid, but in a professional context, when you're in a meeting and people are using terms that you don't understand, it, it often scares people to actually ask, wait a minute, what do you mean by that? And mm -hmm. sometimes I, I've even realized that sitting back, I've just realized I can tell one person is using the word in one way. And another person is using it in another way so that they're actually using the same terms, but are pretty poles apart in terms of like a common ground or a common language. So I think that common language bit is critical because if a relationship between a corporate and an entrepreneur and vice versa is going to work, I think they do need to share a common language. They do need to be able to speak in a way that both can fully understand and therefore buy into each other's you know, needs and problems and wishes and wants and so on. So I think it's a great absolutely. initiative. Think, absolutely. Thank And I, I, even with, um, you know, some of our, our clients, when they have discussions with startups, I now see the clients will throw in some of these words in their questions. So mm. what's your roadmap for the future? What's your this? What's your that? And I think that's really great to see. And it's not there to, it isn't there to, to show off and it isn't there to catch the startup out. It just, it just makes the, the, the conversation much richer and, yeah. and, it just helps it flow because people are, are using the same, doesn't need, you don't need interpreters there, not that you'd ever would, but you know, <laughs> it, like literally the conversation flows a lot easier. Yeah. And I think understanding the language of startups, um, I think helps you work with them. Yeah. And, and that, that, it must be intimidating for both parties when they, you know, encounter terms that, that they're not clear on. So I, as you say, it definitely helps them to work together. So I, I'm, I really hope the book does well. I mean, I'm going to encourage it for sure. I'm going to make sure the university take it in because I think it has a great role to play, especially for those on MBA modules that want to, that are thinking about transitioning to becoming entrepreneurs or even just you know wanting to work with entrepreneurs. It sounds absolutely brilliant to me. So I'm going to make sure it's recommended. You're welcome. <laughs> well, Ken, honestly, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for giving me your time. And you know, some of the things I take away from this are just you know, the importance of curiosity, how even being satisfied in your job and, and in the life that that curiosity can spark something completely revolutionary. And, you know, I honestly believe the business model you have is really innovative. And if that's come out of, you know, you're the curiosity that you had in, in coming across the world of entrepreneurs, then it's even better because, again, you're connecting to otherwise disconnected or separate spheres. And I think it's an awesome model. But equally, you know, what we were saying about solving problems that keep managers awake at night is, is a good one because those are often the longer term problems that they can't get their eyes onto because they're dealing with so many other issues on a day-to-day -day basis. But then, you know, once you have 
them invested. And once you have an entrepreneur invested, it's making sure that everyone's got skin in the game and working with each other in a way that's respectful, but also can make sense of each other. <laughs> so that's that's my sort of like takeaway from all this. So good. No, absolutely. I fully agree. And um curiosities, I've always been a big you know a, a big advocate of that i mean if you can keep curious and, and always curious about things i think it's not a bad thing at all because you, you just see if you keep your i always say if you keep your head up you always see new opportunities and learn new things so um yeah hopefully the you know we continue satisfying our clients and finding new startups and helping to orchestrate that relationship and 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 get to a, a an outcome that both sides are happy with that's the ultimate the goal Great. at the end of it well and fantastic helps, fantastic and thank you so much for joining and uh, yeah that brings us to the end of this podcast so for everybody listening we'll see you in the next one thank you thanks